0: I love that little sermon bumper that Chris put together because it's just a visual, I think, that captures the essence of the book of Philippians, that regardless of what it is you're going through, you can still have joy in Jesus. That's really what the book is all about, that your circumstances may not be right, may not be good, your circumstances may not be easy. Whatever trouble that you're having, whatever you're experiencing, whatever the pain you're in, I can still promise you this, according to God's Word, there is joy in Jesus Christ. And that's the lesson from the book of Philippians. And so we're working our way through the book of Philippians. uh, Right now, a a series on Sunday morning and Sunday night. And so we find ourselves today in chapter 2. Would you open God's Word, Philippians chapter 2. While you're turning to that, let me say a special welcome to some of our heroes that are here. Tony and Beth Lucetto are right here. Hey, Tony Beth, y- y'all are going to hate this. Stand up so we can know our folks. Gonna... Let's welcome them back home. I love these guys. We've been working with them now about three years in Cleveland. They, they live there and serve in the old Brooklyn community, and uh, we've been partnering with them. And man, they're just doing such a good job up there. And they're going to be here today, tonight, and then they're going to be in Columbia with us at the state convention. And so I'm excited that they're here and grateful for you guys and love you very, very much. And I know you're going to want to speak to them before you leave today. Philippians chapter 2, I hope that you found that by now. I want to tell you something that one of the great joys of my life, and you're going to think, boy, you don't have much joy, I mean, much... to deal with there, do you? But I love, 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 love when my wife makes brownies or chocolate cake. I want to tell you why I love it, because there's something good that comes before the brownies or the chocolate cake. Not Pepsi. No, that's amen on the Pepsi. Yeah. No, 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 no. You know, you know what it is. It's the mixing bowl. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, you know about it. It's the mixing bowl. Some of you have done this too. Whenever Lisa makes brownies or chocolate cake, there's that chocolatey, ooey, gooey goodness. And she brings the bowl to me in my recliner. I got ESPN on the television. <laughs> so I, I've got the bowl, I got a spoon, and I start digging in. And, and I can usually get about two or three good full spoonfuls of that chocolate goodness, you know, as, as I'm just going after it. Don't tell me it's not good for you. Please, don't. Listen, I don't have very many pleasures in life. Let me have this one, all right? I've lived to 57 years old without those raw eggs killing me. I'm going to be all right. I want to tell you something about that bowl. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've been there. You've done it. Once you get those two or three good scoops out, you're not done. Oh, no, uh-uh, no, you're not done. Because what, what you're going to do, you're going to grab that thing and you just start scraping and scraping and scraping because you're trying to get all you can out of that bowl. Can I get a witness? All right, the rest of you don't know what you're missing. Hey, let me ask you a question. Did, did you know that God wants you to take a similar approach to your salvation? I want you to think about that. You see, some people are just content to be saved and that they're going to heaven. And they're okay with that and, and, you know, life's good and and I got saved when I was 20 and I'm going to heaven and isn't that wonderful? And and they're just, just content to stay there. But can I say something to you? You're missing so much of what God wants to do in your life and what God wants to do with your life. You're missing so much of the good stuff. There's still so much left in that bowl. You know how God wants you to approach your relationship with Him? God wants you to approach it just the way I do with that bowl and that spoon. Just digging and digging and digging and digging, trying to get all I can out of that bowl. And God wants you to do the same thing in His relationship with you. He wants you to just keep digging and digging and digging, getting all that you can out of your relationship with Him. Now, now, why do I say that? Well, it's because of what I read in, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. And this verse is probably the most shocking verse in the book of Philippians. When you read this verse, especially at first glance, you stop and say, whoa, 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 what did he just say? So here's what he says, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, in other words, Paul's right there. Paul is writing to some people he knows personally. Paul is writing to some people he has a history with. Paul is writing to a church that he planted. He was writing to a church that he was well familiar with. He had spent years with this congregation in and out. He had had invested his life with these people, and he loved these people dearly. And that's why he writes, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. In other words, though I'm not with you, I still hear good things about you. And though I'm not with you, I still hear you're walking with the Lord. Then this is what he says that sounds so shocking. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Continue to work out your salvation. Underlying that phrase, continue to work out your salvation. It is a shocking phrase. It is one of those phrases that makes us pause and say, wait a minute, that doesn't sound quite right. What exactly is Paul saying here? Well, l- let me clarify clarify it for you. I want you to first of all understand what he is not saying. Paul is not saying that you work for your salvation. Listen to me clearly. Most of you know this, but I want to make sure everybody knows this. According to the Bible, salvation is a gift from God given to those who have placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't work for your salvation. We know that from Scripture. It says, Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, Ephesians 2.8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, so that no one could boast. Romans 3.22 says this righteousness, this salvation from God comes through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. Not through work, but through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. So, First of all, to understand what Paul is saying, we need to understand what he's not saying. He is not saying you work for your salvation. In fact, just look at the text. He makes that clear. He says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have obeyed not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work... What's that next word? Out. Not work for. Work out your salvation. So what did he mean by working out your salvation? The verb work out carries the idea... Mark this down in your notes somewhere. It carries the idea of work to completion. Work to completion. Going back to my visual of the, of the bowl with, a, with the good chocolate stuff in it. Get all you can out of it. Don't stop halfway. Get all you can out of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Work it to completion. It's the same word picture as, as if you have a garden and you don't just plant the garden, but you keep working at the garden, trying to get the most you can out of it. Maybe this will help you. L- let's say that you're planting a fence. You're digging holes to, not plant a fence. You don't plant a fence. You're building a fence. <laughs> but but you're, you're digging holes to plant a fence. I mean, to build a fence. And as you dig holes in your front yard to build this fence, all of a sudden you hit something hard. And you assume that it's rock, but it, it just seems different. It seems harder than rock, maybe. And, and you start digging around in your shovel, and all of a sudden you uncover the dirt, and all of a sudden you see something gold, or you see something shiny, and you start picking it up, and, and you actually have little chips of gold in your hand. And you've you got a gold mine in your front yard. Now, I know that's imagination, but let's go with me there, okay? You've got a gold mine in your front yard. You've just discovered it. Now, would you be content... To take those few little chips out of that gold mine, put it in your pocket and walk away and just leave it there. No, you'd dig up your whole yard, wouldn't you? (laughs) You would. You'd dig up your whole yard. You know why? Because you want to get all you can out of that yard, out of the ground. You want to get all the gold that's there out of your yard, out of your ground. That's the same word picture when Paul says, work out your salvation. It has the idea, you've got gold there in your relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, it's greater, more more valuable than gold. And Paul says, don't be satisfied with just a little bit, but, but just keep digging at it and keep digging at it, trying to get all that you can out of your relationship with Jesus Christ. I bet, though, you probably know some people who haven't done that. I bet you probably know some people maybe in your family. And they've yet to really experience all that God has for them. And it may be that who I'm talking to is really you. Maybe you've settled for just, you've just kind of been content to be saved and going to heaven. And really what been, all, all that you really have is just a few chips of gold. When God has so much more. Store for you. Have you ever looked through a high school yearbook years and years down the road? Maybe a college yearbook years and years and years down the road. Now, some of you are too young. It's like I'm in high school right now. I, you know, but but if you you know, it's kind of funny sometimes when you look back and you you know, you look at the hairstyles and the glasses and what people used to wear and all that kind of thing. But but sometimes it can also be heartbreaking because if you look back in a high school yearbook, let's say twenty years ago. And, and all of us, you look at those superlatives, those senior superlatives, and there's that guy and that gal voted most likely to succeed. And you still know them. You still have contact with them. And you look at most likely to succeed, and then you think about where they are today in life. And maybe because of bad choices, maybe because of abuse of alcohol or drugs, you look at that picture, most likely to succeed, and then you think about where they are today, and you think, what a waste. So sad. He had so much potential. So sad. She had so much going for her. And look at where her life is now. What a waste. What's sadder than that? It's those folks for whom Christ died, in whom the Holy Spirit is living. And God looks at your life perhaps and says, what a waste. I had so much more in mind for them. I had so much more that I planned to do with her or with him. There's so much I wanted to do in their life and with their life. What a waste. Just look where they are now. Some of you may say, Pastor, that's me. If I were to be honest today, I'd, I'd have to raise my hand because that's me. I feel like I've, I've wasted a good part of my life. And it might be that, that now you're at a point where you're saying, I want to live for Him. I, I, am, I am really searching and living as hard as I can for Jesus Christ. But man, I have wasted so much of my life seeking things that ultimately don't really matter. Can I say something to you? You can't do anything about what's lost, but you can give God what's left. And that's what you need to do. Just say, Lord, from this day forward, I want to give you what's left. From this day forward, I want to start digging the gold out of the ground. From this day forward, I'm going to take that pot or that... that bowl and I'm going to be scraping that thing every day because from this day forward I want to experience all that you have in mind to do in my life and all that you have in mind to do with my life and God if you can take the mess that I am and do something with it from this day forward I'm all in I'm all yours I want what you want for me you say okay but pastor how do I get there? thankfully Paul gives us some things real quick I want to show you in this text I think that will help us get there First of all, let me give you three things real quick. Paul says, first of all, just stay after it. Just stay after it. You say, where do you get that? Verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, uh, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue. Look at that word. Circle it, underline it. Continue to work out your salvation. Keep working at being the person God saved you to be. Continue. Keep going after it stay after it don't stop don't settle don't be satisfied continue he says keep going after it just stay after it you say well well, i blew it yesterday i know you blew it yesterday but stay after it today well i made some bad decisions last week last month last year i understand that but stay after it today you see the devil wants you to quit The devil wants you to give up. The devil wants to convince you you've wasted your life and you ruined your life. But I'm here to tell you something else. The Word of God says, stay after it. Continue to work out your salvation. There's another word I want you to see. Continue to work out your salvation. Let me tell you something. Listen to me. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm not trying to make you mad. I'm not trying to upset you. But I'm going to tell you something. The reason that you are where you are today is because of the decisions you made. Now, the reason you need to hear that is because you need to hear the second part. And the reason you can be more than you are today are because of decisions you will make. You see, only you can work out your salvation. Can I get a witness? Only you can work out your salvation. Only you can make those decisions. Only you can walk with Jesus. Only you can decide, I'm going to do this on a daily basis. You are the only one that can work on you. Now, I know that's simple, but boy, is that important. Continue, he says, to work out your salvation. You can't work out your wife's salvation, you can't work out your husband's salvation. You can't work out your children's salvation. But you sure can work on yours. The only person you ultimately can change is you. So Paul tells us, work out your salvation. Stay after it. And then, let me show you how important this is. This is so important to God that Paul says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Paul is saying, that's how important this is. This is not something to be taken lightly. This is not something that you think, well, this is for, you know, that's just Keith preaching. No, Paul says, you do this, but you do it with fear and trembling. What, what does that mean? It means to recognize who God is, and you recognize who you are. It's kind of like, the, it's kind of like Isaiah. When he was in the temple and all of a sudden he got a picture of who God is. And then he got a picture of who he is. He trembled before the Lord. Woe is me. He trembled before the presence of God. Because he understood how mighty and how holy and how great God is. And he also understood how sinful he is. So he says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That does not mean that I have this this fearful anticipation of God. That's not what it's talking about. And and it it doesn't mean that I have this nervous apprehension as I approach God. That's not what it means. It means, watch this, it means that I have an awe before God. That I am in awe that the holy God of this universe knows me. I am in awe that the Holy God of this universe still loves me. I am in awe that the Holy God of this universe would be willing to do anything in my life, much less through my life. And if the Holy God of this universe, who died on the cross for my sins, if He wants to do something in my life and with my life, it ought to give me this, this sense of, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. So he says, work out this with fear and trembling. This idea, this really matters. Don't take your relationship with the Lord lightly. This really matters. Give yourself wholly and fully to God, let Him have what's left. Number two, the second thing that Paul tells us in this text that will help us to work out our own salvation is to depend on God to change your life. Verse 13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good pleasure. Say, okay, pastor, I'm really confused now. You've been telling us in verse, in verse 12 that, that we need to continue to work out our salvation. As if all that we become in the Lord is dependent upon us. And then in verse 13 you say, but it's God who works in you. So, so is it us or is it God? Yes. Yes. You see, reaching your potential in Jesus depends on you, and reaching your potential in Jesus depends on God. And there is no contradiction there. Here's what I mean. God can't work in your life without your participation. Verse 12. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. God can't work in your life without your participation. But secondly, you can't become all that He wants you to be without His power. Verse 13. For it's God who works in you, both to will and to act according to His good pleasure. So it's not a contradiction to say it depends on you and it depends on God. You see, it takes more than just staying after it. It takes more than just, I'm going to give it my best. According to verse 13, We can't just give it our best and stay after it. According to verse 13, though that is important, according to verse 13, we also need God's power. If we're going to work out our salvation, if we're going to experience all that God has in store for us, if we're going to be the person God wants us to be, it won't simply be because of self-effort. It will be because God's power is at work in us. And He works on two different levels. According to verse 13, He works on the level of our will, And he works at the level of our action. Look what he says in this text. For it is God who works in you to will. You know what that means? The the idea that God works in us at the level of our will is that God gives us the desires to live a holy life. I mean, listen to me. Everybody look up here. You didn't have that before you got saved, did you? You didn't have a desire to live for the Lord. You didn't care what God thought. You didn't care what God wanted. You didn't have a desire to live a godly life. You were lost. You weren't trying to live a godly life. You didn't want to live a godly life. In fact, you wanted to dive into sin as deeply as you could. But once you come to faith in Christ, something changed, didn't it? All of a sudden, you have desires you didn't have before. All of a sudden, you have a desire to live for the Lord that never was there before. You have this desire to please God. You have this desire to live for God. You have this desire to honor God. Where in the world did that come from? It comes from God. God who is at work in you at the level of your will. I heard this story, and I think it's a true story. I heard the story of a man who was witnessing to a, a lost man, and the Christians uh, asked him to put his faith in Christ, and the lost man said, no, I don't want to do that. And the Christian was taken back a little bit, and he said, well, why not? And the lost man said, well, I would have to give up too much if I become a Christian. There's some things I enjoy. I, I like running around with women. I like to drink a little bit, I like to gamble a little bit. And uh, there's just some things I'd have to give up if I were to become a Christian. I don't want to do that. And the Christian looked at him and said, you misunderstood. You see, when I got saved, I could do anything I want to. And the lost man, his eyes got real big, he said, well, oh, really? He said, yeah, but the only difference is this. Once I got saved, God changed my want to. And He does. He changes our want to. I going to tell you something. That's the reason that you can become a new creation in Jesus Christ. Because of the blood of Christ shed on the cross of Calvary, because he loved you enough to change you and come to live inside of you, he can change you at the level of your will, at the level of your desires. That's the reason he can break bad habits. That's the reason he can break the bondage of addiction. It's not because of your self-effort. It is because of the power of God at work in you. Now, that might take a while. That's why he says continue to work out your salvation. It may take a day, it might take a week, it might take a year. Who knows how long it might take. It could be instantaneous, but I want to tell you something. God in his mighty power will work into your life at the level of your will. He can and will change your desires. But he not only works at that level, he works at a second level. He also works at the level of our action. Look what he says in the text. For it is God who works in you to will, that is to want to, and to act according to His good purpose. God works at the level of our actions. You see, God not, God not only gives you the desire to do His will, He equips you to do His will. I mean, if God gave us the desire not the ability, we'd be frustrated, wouldn't we? And if God gave us the ability and not the desire, we'd be apathetic. But when we let God work in our lives, He brings the two together, and we experience God's power. So I'm here today to say two things to you. First of all, stay after it. Don't let yesterday's problems or last year's failures cause you to think that you've ruined your life and God will never do anything with you anymore. Stay after it. God can still use what's left. Stay after it. Number two, depend on God because it's more than just what you can do. It's not just your self-effort. You need the power of God at work in your life. And if you've marked anything in your text, you ought to mark these words in verse 13. In you. It is God who works in you. God works in you. Somebody say amen to that. God works in you. God has done a work for you. He did that at Calvary. But praise the Lord, He also does a work in you. I don't know about you, but I need Him to do a work in me. Then He says this. Before we read verse 14, let me me tell you something. I wish, I wish, I wish He had put a period there and closed the chapter. Because He goes to meddling in verse 14. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, look what he says in verse 14. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Come on, man. You just messed up a good message, Paul. I was was with you, brother. But now he says, do everything without complaining or arguing. Here's the third point. Write this one down. As you are working out your salvation, the third point is this. Keep a good attitude. Keep a good attitude. Why this admonition to do everything without complaining or arguing? I can tell you why. It's Because I'm a mess, and so are you. We're broken, imperfect people. And in the course of letting God do His work in our lives and with our lives, sometimes we tend to get in the way. Sometimes we just... We get angry, we get frustrated, we get, we get impatient. God's at work molding us and shaping us, and all of a sudden, we just get in the way. You know, there's been times when Lisa's mopping, the, and sometimes I mop, sometimes I, I sweep, but, but there's been times, I don't want you to think that that's just her role, so I'm trying to be very careful there. She's in the other service, so I can say anything I want to, really, But <laughs> but... but <laughs> There are some times when Lisa is mopping the kitchen, and I don't realize that she's mopping behind me. And it's like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know I was in your way. Let me go to my recliner so you can finish mopping in the kitchen. I was just kidding, all right? I I'm just kidding. Ladies, don't get mad at me. I mopped the kitchen three, four years ago. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Yeah. But there have been times when Lisa has tried to clean the floor, and and I didn't realize it, but I was getting in the way. There's been times when God's tried to clean up some stuff in my life, and all of a sudden my ego got in the way. My anger got in the way. I got frustrated over something. I... And it's so easy just to slide back into arguing and complaining. So easy to slide back into that negative spirit. And God was working in my life and preparing me to do something with my life. And all of a sudden, I just got in the way. That's why Paul says, do everything without arguing or complaining. Because two things happen when we do that. We hurt ourselves and we hurt our witness. Look what he tells us that right here in the text. Look at verse 14 and 15. He says, Do everything without complaining and arguing so that you may become, notice that word become, it's not what you are now, but this is you're in the process. God's working in your life so that you may become blameless and pure children of God. So if you continue to do everything without arguing and complaining, you can become blameless and pure children of God. But if you slide back into that critical negative spirit, if you slide back into arguing and complaining, all of a sudden you cannot become what God wants you to be. In other words, you hurt yourself. But all of a sudden also, not only do you hurt yourself, you also hurt your witness. So that you may, Verse 15, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. God wants to work in your life and with your life in such a way that you look different from everybody else. See, God's plan is that you should be so different that people around you should notice. And did you notice where he said that we're living? And if it, was, if it was true in Paul's day, it's really true in our day. Paul says you're living in the middle of a crooked and perverse generation. You're living in the middle of a crooked and depraved generation. Does that sound like where you and I live today? Absolutely. But here's my question to you, Christian. Are you part of the problem or are you part of the solution? You see, we are children of God, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. We are not meant to be part of the problem. We are meant to be part of the solution. We are not meant to add to the world's darkness. We are instead to shine like stars in the middle of the darkness. People ought to notice there's something different about him. There's something different about her. Two words I want to show you and then we'll quit. In verse 15, two very, very important words. He says, so that you may become blameless. You know what that word blameless means in the original text, the original language? Blameless, it has the idea of what others think about you. In other words, it's your reputation. Blameless. It's your reputation, what others think of you. The word Pure. In other translations, it might use the word innocent. That refers to what you actually are. That's your character. Who you really are. You're pure. You're innocent. God wants to do a work in your life and with your life to such a degree that when others, what others think you are, you really are on the inside. It's not that you've got them fooled, but that's who you really are. You're living so differently, it has to be God who made the difference. Now, I've got an assignment for you. You're going to like this one. My application for you today is, is going to be very tasty. Maybe this afternoon, it would be a good idea if you go home this afternoon and make some brownies or chocolate cake. And then you sit in your recliner or your couch. You get that big bowl and you get that spoon. And you start digging it out. And you let the Spirit of God say this to you. That is how I want you to approach your relationship with me. I want you to enjoy me as much as you enjoy that brownie mix. Just stay after it. Stay after it. Keep digging. Keep digging. Depend on me as you do that. Keep a good attitude as you do that. When you do, your life will will not be perfect. You will not be a perfect person. But you'll look so different from the people around you. You'll be like stars shining in the darkness. You see, here's what I want you to leave with and think about. When it comes to working out your salvation, here's what happens. You do what only you can do. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You do what only you can do. And if you do what only you can do, verse 13, then you'll experience what only God can do. For it's God's power that is at work within you. So this week, do what only you can do. So God can do what only He can do. Let's pray about that. Thank you, Father, for loving us. Thank you that even in the midst of those times when we make bad decisions or we struggle with an addiction or we find ourselves saying, man, what a waste. God, help us to stay after it. Just just to stay after it, seeking to be all that we can be for your glory. Seeking to experience all that you have for us. Help us to dig all the gold out of the ground. In our relationship with you. And not to be satisfied or to be settled. Just to be saved. And we have a daily relationship with you. That shows up in the way we live our lives. And I pray that in Christ's name. Amen.